is the Big Church Podcast. How many is ready for the new year? Come on, come on, we're ready. I'm a little bit tired this morning. Uh, I had a really rough day yesterday. Uh, Had to watch a lot of sports. Had to eat a lot of food. And so I just want y'all to pray for me that um, if I'm a little bit tired today, I did work hard yesterday. It was, it was very tiring, but it, it was all worth it because all three of my teams won yesterday, and I'm not saying who my teams are, so y'all haters out there, I don't, I don't want you throwing nothing at me. But um, how, many want, how many like starting something new? Yes. I like to start a diet every Monday. And by about 3 o'clock, I'm about ready to just throw it to the wind and say, let's just not. But I love to start a diet every Monday. Also, I like to work out. Not. I actually, I'm actually going to set my alarm for this year, going up this year, hush. And my, let me just be honest. My alarm seriously goes off every morning in my brain about 6 o'clock. But my physical to get me out of bed doesn't actually get me out of bed till about 7, 7.15-ish. But I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to try to work, at, work out on myself. And I did set my scale back to the original place it was in. <laughs> and it was very scary. And, uh, yeah, it kind of motivated me. And it was screaming, get off of me. But here we go. But after the holidays, what happens is we, we make all of these goals, but... Usually after the holidays, everything goes back to usual. Everything goes back to the normal. Everything goes back to what we expect. But is that really what we want for 2020? Only a few more days till, the end, till this new year starts. And I'm going to ask you this question. How has 2019 been to you? Maybe some of y'all are out there, man, this has been the greatest year of my life. This has been the most awesome year. I wouldn't change anything about it. Glory to God to you all. That's probably a lower percentage of everybody. But most people, if you would really think about it, maybe it's been one of those years that you just like to forget. Maybe it's been one of those years that you just like to leave 2019 in the rear view and just say, okay, I don't want to look at that because I'm going forward. Well, how you enter one season, how you leave one season can determine how you enter into the next season. So if you're taking what you had in 2019 and expecting it to be something different in 2020, you're probably going to get what you've always gotten. Do you want 2020 to be another year? I'm going to talk to you this morning about our life. My goodness, we could be here all day. Here we go. Our life consists of three things, the past, the present, and the future. And in Philippians 3.13, it says this, I do not count myself to have apprehended, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, listen, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Those things are behind. The past is the hardest, most crippling thing that we ever have to deal with. We spend more time in the past than we do anywhere else in our minds and in everything that we go through. Coulda, shoulda, Woulda are big, big words that we use. We, I use them all the time. Well, I could have done this or I should have done that. And if I would have done that, you know, it would have changed things. But the, cat, the past keeps us chained to yesterday and not living for today. 
You know, a lot of times what we do is the things we've attached ourselves to the past will not allow us to go forward. I know it's hot in here, y'all. Uh, I can't set the AC up. So, I mean, I got all these people fanning. I am burning up up here too, but we're going we're gonna to sweat for the Lord this morning. Here we go. <laughs> the past is the hardest and most crippling thing. We spend a lot of time there. But the past, you might say to, to me, Pastor, but you don't understand what they did to me. I've heard this before, but you don't understand what they said to me. You don't understand how they treated me. Let me, let, me read, let me read to you. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. Well, let me read Isaiah to you. Isaiah 43, 25 says this. Even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Listen to that. For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Unforgiveness and bitterness and anger most of the time only keeps you in bondage. It says, for my own sake, there are things that you need to try to let go of from the past, not for their sake, but for your sake. Because a lot of times the things that they don't, there's people that have already done things into you in your life that they don't even realize is still bothering you, but yet you're carrying it, you're looking in the mirror, you're trying to figure it all out, and they've already went on with their life. They've already went on with what they're doing. So I'm telling you this morning that unforgiveness and bitterness will keep you in bondage. Well, God, well, you don't know what I did. Guilt, shame, and regret keeps you trapped in the past. It says, and I will not remember your sins anymore. The things that you keep bringing up to God, he is looking at you going, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not talking about the things maybe you're currently doing. Help. Oh, that was, that was a little bit quiet, wasn't it? But I'm talking about those things that you've already asked for forgiveness for. God is up there scratching his head going, why do they keep bringing this up to me? Because I've already forgotten all about that. Driving in the rear view. You know why a rear view mirror is only this big? Because you're only supposed to look back a little bit when you're driving. It's only this small because every once in a while you need to look back and see where you've been. That's why the windshield is this big. Because God has given you a windshield in 2020 to say, listen, let's go forward. Let's quit looking in the rearview mirror and let's start looking toward the sun. I like this one. It said, with forgiveness comes healing and freedom. But one, I, like, I like what he says. But one thing I do... And this, show, this shows me that it can be done. Yeah. People say, well, I can't do that. Well, it, it says in the Bible it can be done. How? Because sometimes looking back is a good thing. Sometimes you can look back and, and the enemy only wants you to see the bad things, but you can look back on what has God done in your life. Think about where you had been eight, several years ago and where you would be in the last year if God had not been good to you. So sometimes remembering is a good thing. We're going to talk about the present. I got two messages today, so we're going to be here a little bit. Here we go. The present in verse 13, it says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. This is the Apostle Paul, greatest preacher, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He says, I have not arrived. And a lot of times what we get, do is we get into a pattern. We think of, oh, we just got it all together. It's all working out. We have pride that rises up in us, and we won't ask for help because we want to make everybody think that everything is good. But being comfortable brings complacency. There is always more of God. 
He is never ending. He, is ne- he, he can always fill you with something different if you just want to go after him. It says reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We have to start going forward. Staying still or standing still is not an option to a Christian. Sometimes you want to keep your family. We, we, we keep planted in the past, but we also want to plant ourselves in the present. Say, okay, I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. God has got much, much more for you than what's, what you know. Let me read this to you. Verse 14. It says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There was a lady that had been sick for 12 years. She was bleeding, had spent all her money. She couldn't, no doctor, no person could take care of her. And she got in a crowd one day and she said, Jesus is coming to town. Not Santa Claus, but Jesus is coming to town. And she said, if I don't take my time, to press through this crowd, I may never get to the place where I need to be. I am tired of my condition. I'm tired of feeling the way that I'm feeling. I'm tired of being the way that I am. If I could just press through this crowd. The Bible says she pressed through the crowd. She was sick and afflicted and didn't feel like it. Sometimes you've got to do it when you want something for God. Sometimes you've got to do it whether you feel like it or not. But it said this, she touched the hem of his garden and she was made clean. Sometimes we got to make Jesus our goal. Nothing short of touching him is, will get us to the place we need to be. Money won't get us there. Fame won't get us there. Position won't get us there. Things on this earth won't get us there. We have an upward call not just to barely make it. I'm going to say that again. We have an upward call not just to barely make it. A lot of, a lot of times we, we miss out on what God wants to do in our life because we're just barely getting by. We do just, (laughs) help me, and I'm guilty. We do just enough, do just enough to get to the place where we need to be. God said, listen, you are a son and you are a daughter of the most high. He said, we serve an exceedingly abundantly above God. And we got to start acting like that too. Let's talk about the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody can quote this one. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you know when that was written? When Israel was in captivity. He wrote those words to them when they were in bondage to another nation. We have to understand that God has a great plan for us, and we can't keep living in the past because he can't take us to the future that we have. They kept laying around feeling sorry for themselves, and they kept laying around trying to figure this out. God says, I have a great plan for you. you got to get up, and you got to make something of this plan. The choices we make now, the choices we make in the present will affect our future. Let me read this to you. Ezekiel 46. we got some Old Testament going on up in here. Listen to this. Ezekiel 46.9 says this. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days... Whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate shall go out the way of the north gate. He shall not enter, listen, he shall not enter, not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite way. You can't go back the same way that you came in. He's trying to tell them, you came in one way, and I want to change you to the point where you're going to go out another way. 
So many times we come in the same door and we keep exiting the same door. We keep going out the same way. And God says, I've got a new plan and a new way for you. You just got to go with a different direction. The old way, you know why we stay there? Because the old way is familiar. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. It's comfortable and we get comfortable in our captivity sometimes. God is looking at 2020 to give you the old Star Trek thing to boldly go where no man has gone before. Come on. There should be a trailer up there. Holy God. He says, I want to make you go in the opposite direction that you've been going in. But pastor, I've been, I haven't been going down the bad road. That's okay. He wants to make that way a little clearer to you. But if you've been going down the wrong road, he said, I want you to change direction, and I want you to go out the way that you came. Next year, sorry, next week, we're going to be casting vision for 2020. Come on. Pastor Mindy and I are going to be tag team preaching, and we're going to go off the top turnbuckle. And we're, no, no, never mind. I'm going to body slam. No, I'm not. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. But we're going to also, during that time, we're going to start a new series called Building the walls. Build the walls. Building the walls. I'm not sure. I got that wrong. So build the walls. But we got to understand, here's, here's sermon part two. Oh, I still got 12 minutes. We're good. Where do we start? We start with fasting and prayer. And maybe that's a new word to you. Maybe you've not ever heard that word fasting. What is he talking about? Well, now, right now, everywhere you turn around, they're called talking for intermittent fasting, and they're talking about all the benefits of fasting. But where do we start? There's a story in Mark 9. It says Jesus comes on the scene. And there's a huge crowd. And the scribes and the Pharisees were arguing with his disciples. And a father brings his son to the disciples. And he's got a spirit. I mean, he foams at the mouth and he's sick. And oftentimes he throws himself into the water. The spirit tried to throw him into the water or into the fire to actually physically kill him. They brought it to the disciples, and they had no success in getting this. The father wanted to see if Jesus could heal him, and man and the disciples had let them down. Sometimes we can't put too much. Sometimes we try to put too much into a person. Sometimes we try to put too much into a church. Sometimes we try to put too much into a man, into a, into a, uh, a position or an organization. When you put too much trust in that thing, it might just let you down. So the father's last resort was this, to go to Jesus Christ. A lot of times I often wonder, and I got convicted of us, why is Jesus always our last resort? Why? What if he became the first choice? What if he was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to worry about what the bank statement says. I'm not going to worry about what this says or that says. Jesus is going to be my first choice, and he's going to take care of it. What if he became the first choice instead of the last resort? Things in our life would change. Things in our family would change. Things in our schools would change because Jesus has to be the first option. Jesus said, bring that child to me. And he looked at the father and said, how long has this been going on? And he said, since a child. Mark 9, 23 says this. And Jesus said to him, Listen to this. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How many have heard that particular thing and said, all things are possible? Are you sure? 
I don't know. I'm seeing this situation, and I don't see how we can get out of it. I'm seeing a building that we have no money for, and I don't know how in the world we're ever going to finish this thing. Two and a half years later, we finished this thing. But I stood back there in that back room saying, I just don't know, I don't know if we can do this. And just as soon as that, I was just like this man right here. Immediately in 24, the father of the child cried out and said, with tears, Lord, I believe, but could you please help my unbelief? I believe you're Jesus. I believe you're God. I believe you can do everything that you say you can do, but somewhere in the back of my mind, I just, I can't quite do it. God, I know my kids. You promised me if I raised them in the way that they're supposed to be raised that they won't go. But they're all raising hell out there right now. God, what are we going to do? Sometimes he had lost his faith because his disciples had no success. But we have faith inside of us. The problem isn't the lack of faith. It's the amount of unbelief that's drowning out the faith. It's not, it's not that we don't believe God can do miracles because we've, we've seen them. It's not because of that. It's because we have allowed the drowning out of our faith. The enemy is still, listen to me. Who is hot up in here? The enemy is still going to talk to you. I wish I could tell you that when you come to Jesus and you get saved, that it's all lollipops and roses and, and, and he'll never bother you again. He's going to continue to try to speak to your mind. He's going to continue to try to to get those things to come up, the negative thoughts that you've always thought. He's going to continue to plant those things there. This world will make you believe that depression and anxiety and and, uh, sickness are just part of it, you know? It's just part of it. We have to take this to do that, and it's part of it. But we got to stop looking at the symptoms. we got to stop looking at the circumstances. we got to stop looking at the opinions of man. Faith and unbelief are activated by what you focus on. Your, her word last year was focus. Or maybe it was your, yes, focus. I'm not trying to steal her word. The faith and unbelief are activated by what you focus on. The enemy's still talking, but we've got to learn to ignore his voice and start listening to that voice. There is a voice that every time, listen, every time the enemy starts to come into your mind, there is a voice that comes, if you'll listen, that'll come in and refute that right there. Right. It'll tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. But so many times we just shut the door to that. And we say, okay, that's just my conscience or that's just this. That's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you to quit listening to that voice. The enemy is still going to try to replay your past, but we have to change our focus to see how God sees. He has to, we have to change the way that we look at things to see how God looks at it. If God is in charge and on heaven and earth, why don't we act like it in, on the earth? We are sons and daughters of the Most High. And Jesus said we came down. He said, I give you all, all, all authority on earth. But a lot of times we walk around and said, you know, instead of a mansion, we're, we're just happy with a cabin. On, I ain't going to sing that one anyway. Here we go. But we're happy. We're just content. And God says, I've got so much for you that you don't even have a clue. Mark 9, 28, he says this. And when he had come into the house, here's us, his disciple asked him privately, why could we not cast this out? So he said to them, this kind, listen, 
This kind can come out nothing but by prayer and by fasting. Some things in your life call for drastic measures. Some things that you're trying to change and things that are trying to, to come into your life can only come out by drastic measures. Many times in the Bible, he saved a whole city called Nineveh. What did they do? Jonah came in there and he started preaching to them and they fasted and they prayed and they repented. And guess what? God spared the whole city. If you don't think it's effective, look at that one. Esther who brought before God, she fasted and she prayed and she saved her people from being killed. And Israel was released from captivity because they fasted and they prayed. They asked said, why couldn't we? With expectation comes preparation. With expectation comes preparation. You got to do some work. If you want to change, if you want to overcome, if you want to see things happen, you've got to do something, do some training. I want to get abs without doing sit-ups. This is probably not going to happen. I want to not sweat so bad. I want to be in shape without actually doing any cardio. Whenever we get to the point where we think we can just sit back and not do anything about it, that's where we're always going to get what we always got. But God says, I want you to start doing some training. We are going to get in shape, and I'm not talking about round. I'm talking about we're going to get our minds, our bodies, our spirit, and our souls. When our minds, sometimes when you go through a fast, you can get a clarity that you never, had, you never got before. Sometimes when you try to clear out all of that, when you try to do a detox, what happens the first two or three days you're on that detox? You feel like doo-doo. I'm going to say that word. Amen. You feel bad, don't you? Because you know why? Because your body is rejecting all of that stuff that you've been putting inside of it that's not good for it. But after that third day, when Jesus wrote, after that third day, you start feeling and you have a clarity in your mind that you didn't have before. Whenever I fast, I used to do a bunch of full fasting, like literally didn't eat nothing but water. Man, the first two or three days, you don't eat water, but anyway. The first two or three days, I was literally, after day two and three, I'm in the bed. Because I mean, I feel so bad. But after that third day, you start getting a clarity to you. Your body starts saying, this is what I have designed you to totally be, but yet you've been filling it full of a bunch of junk. Let's fix our attention in 2020. If we intentionally change what we give our attention to, it can change what we give our affections to. If you change your attention, it'll change your affection. The things that you're fond of, when you start being more fond of God, you're going to start being more fond of God. When, when you start praying and reading your word, you're going to start being more fond of God. It, it, it changes like that. January the 5th through the 26th, we are calling a churchwide fast. And it's going to culminate, this is a corporate fast, and this is going to culminate on Baptism Sunday. Come on. During that time, here's what I'm, I'm going to do for you. I'm not going to make it easy on you, but I'm going to make it easy on you. We usually call it the Daniel fast. There's different ways you can fast. You can full fast, which you don't do nothing but just drink water. 
There's a Daniel fast where you're just you're staying away from meats and sweets and soft drinks and monsters and no. And then there's a time where you pick out a day or two or three of a week. And maybe you pick out that day or you pick out a meal. And you say, God, I'm giving this over to you. But here's what you got to do. If you don't like breakfast, don't fast breakfast. God, I'm giving breakfast up to you. You know, I, I, I don't like breakfast. So if I fast breakfast, I'm not doing anything. What are the things that you can eliminate from your life for that 21 days that can get you closer to where God wants you to be? Listen, it changes you. It changes you. When we first started, we had so many fasts that literally I look back on pictures like seven, eight years ago. I was like, where is that guy at? I want him back. But we fasted. And we prayed and we believed. And God did something in Mount Washington, Kentucky that was crazy and phenomenal because we believed he could do it. Look around you. You are a product of several fasts and prayers. You are here today because we believe that God changes everything when you do that. During this time, it's an acknowledgement of who God is. Fasting without prayer is a diet. Fasting without prayer is a diet. Fasting without consecration in your heart really doesn't do a whole lot of good, to be honest. I'm going to ask us during this time. Consecration means to be dedicated to a sacred purpose. We've got to pray more. We've got to read more. We've got to get to the place where we are so in tune with God that those voices that you've been listening to, they'll start to drown out. Those things that you've been seeing your whole life, they start to just kind of go away. 2020, if you would stand with me, please. Twenty twenty is going to be a year of change. It's going to be a year of stretching. It's going to be a year of challenging us to step up and to step out. Listen, we want to see things change. We got to do things different. Let's not, I'm going to ask you this morning, as I get ready to give the altar call, there will be people up on the left and right to pray with you individually. But let's, let's, not, let's not just make resolutions. Let's be a revolution. Revolution is a forcible overthrow. Let's force some things out of our life. A revolution is a radical change. It ain't just, uh, I think I'll just be this way for a little while. It's a radical change that says, God, I want everything you got for me this year. A revolution is a sudden and complete or marked change in something. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.